At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to check us out on our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes Store. We're in the Google Play Store. We're on Stitcher. You can find me on Twitter at libconmatt. Find Tim on Twitter at libcontim. Buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, we are back. We took a break to play some video games for like a week, and you know it was embarrassing for me. But Tim came out well. I did really uh, good. He did Super really good well. at that baseball game. Yeah, yeah, you are, and I'm not, but that's okay. I I I, I trek on. Uh, so anyway, we're back. Tim's Tim's back home, and and I'm here, and we're gonna talk about stuff. We're just we got a lot of quick hits and things, and we're gonna talk about a little bit about the election. Round of applause, WTF, and then we're going to talk about uh, the national stipend or national dividend or a basic income. What do they What do they call it? Basic economic Universal thing. basic income. Universal ba- There was a third word in there, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Universal basic income. Anyway, we're going to talk about it, and then we'll wrap it up with something cool. Uh, yes. How are you? Are you well? I'm great. How are you? I'm, I've not been impressed with today, but that's another story. The day apologizes. No, I don't think the day does. I really don't. But, you know, that's <laughs> UK that's football right. apologizes. <laughs> no, that, I don't know. UK football can't apologize enough. Let me just leave it there. That was, you know, what I had. I'm, I'm just, you know, and I'm not usually one of those fans that that gets all, yeah, you know, like, oh my god, it's football. But you know, at this point, it's like I had a lot of little stuff that I, I needed to get done today, and there were like a good three-hour window in the afternoon slash evening to get it done. And I said, you know what, I'm going to watch the football game and. That was not a football game. That was crap. Lots and lots and lots of crap. And I, I just I wasted time that I could have been doing other things to watch crap. Anyway, moving on. And then last night I watched Dawn of Justice. Did you watch Dawn of Justice? I have seen Dawn of Justice. I That too was crap. Also a waste of three hours of my time. Almost entirely. Yep. It's not it's not that <laughs> impressive. I, you know, I mean, like my expectations were so low going into it because everybody had been blasting it that I wasn't horribly disappointed, but I certainly didn't sit there enjoying myself. You know, I, I generally like Batman movies, so I kind of went into Dawn of Justice like I like I go into a UK football game, which is why the two are sort of connected. You know, you, you know better because you've been told by everyone you know not to go in with hopes. But, you know, I went in with some hopes and... That was not the movie to go in with hopes in. It was just very depressing and dark, and it's not fun. There is not a minute of that movie that's fun. That's what was different about the Avengers movies. The Avengers movies are, you know what, we're not, um, this is... Agreed. That's exactly what I've been saying. And I haven't even gone to see Suicide Squad because it doesn't sound like that one's any fun either. Which, how they managed to make that movie not fun, I don't really understand. But... Enough said. Let's do yeah, politics. They, yeah. Yeah, because those are so much more fun. We'll talk about this it's really fun election chipper. we've been having. Yes. It is. It's great. It's a basket full of deplorable. What? It huh? is. Hang on. Anyway, 
So Clinton's talking again, and maybe she shouldn't, you know, because she opened her mouth last night and said something really stupid. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know. Look, it's, it's just it's time for everybody. And I don't think this is news to the Clinton campaign. I think it's news to maybe some people out there. But it's time for everybody to just admit this. This shit, this shit's close. It's close. It's within all margins of error. Real clear has got it at like 2.5. It's cl- This is a close election now. That's it. Yeah, Biden's really kicking himself right now, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think Biden's really kicking himself. And... This would have been in the bag. like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Biden's kicking himself, and you know maybe the DNC is kicking themselves over not you know really taking Bernie seriously, and you know I, I don't know, but I just it seemed like Clinton disappeared for like a month after the after the conventions. It's like she went and took an extended break. You know, maybe maybe she went to get her super duper secret health treatments because, you know, we all know what crappy shape she's been in, uh, you know, and then came back. Not smart, I guess. I don't know. Then whatever. Well, bah. Why does Donald Trump keep talking about Vladimir Putin? This is the one thing that I'm, I'm starting to wonder if this is going to come around and start biting him in the ass again, like really badly, because like you can't keep talking even and even Pence is doing it. You just you can't keep talking and saying really nice things about Putin the way that he is over and over and over again. This is just r- ridiculous. It, it's it's frightening. And his national security speech the other day actually had some generals who had been supporting him. Kind of it kind of pissed him off because if you listen to the speech, he's basically saying the only reason we're not defeating ISIS is because all of the generals are in the bag for Obama, and uh, and and they just don't want to as though they're not trying. Which we all know is crap. That's ridiculous. And but again, he gets away with this. So, you got any thoughts on any of this? I'm just sort of in a very angry mood at the moment. So well, I, I I guess I don't really understand what you mean by getting away with it. Like, you know, the media is hardly letting him off easy. Um, the Democrats are hardly letting him off easy. Um, you know, a lot of moderates. I mean, the out voters, there aren't letting the voters are letting easy. him off easy because he's climbing well, in the polls. Yeah. Well, I guess that's true then. I guess the voters are letting him off easy. So, yeah, I don't know. You know what? Let's talk about Gary Johnson. I was all ready to buy a T-shirt that said feel the Johnson. And then all of a sudden this Aleppo thing happened and I was supposed to be furious. But I'm not entirely sure why I'm supposed to be furious because I'm going to admit one thing very clearly. I do a weekly podcast on politics. I had to look up where the hell Aleppo is. Sorry. Yeah, no, you asked me point blank. You did the exact same thing to me that that reporter did to Gary Johnson. You asked me with no context whatsoever, what's Aleppo? And I thought you were saying, what is a Aleppo? And I was like, I don't know, what the, it's Aleppo. Like, I, I, I had no idea. You know, when did this you, exchange go on? I have no memory of this. You did, yeah, when I was at your house that, that happened. And like, so I mean... If there had been any context of Syria or refugees or anything, then then of course you would have known what it was. But with no context, you say the name of a, of a foreign city, and the guy missed it. Should he not have missed it? Of course he shouldn't have missed it. You're running for president, he shouldn't have. But I bet you a billion dollars if Donald Trump had been asked that exact same question in the exact same way before this, he would have had no clue whatsoever about what they were talking about. Um and I can't – a lot of people talk about, oh, now he's doomed, now he's whatever. I mean, I guess there was certainly a higher bar for Gary Johnson because he's trying to, like, establish himself as a viable candidate against these two. And for him to have that dumb moment was was no good. But comparing that 
to all of the stuff that Donald Trump has said and comparing it to all the stuff going on with Hillary Clinton, this was nothing. Nothing. And I hope that you will still go out and feel the Johnson. I I just want that T-shirt. And I think all of America should have that T-shirt. If, if, if I'm buying that T-shirt. I'm buying the yard sign. I'm in. And you're not aware. Gary Johnson has an entire Facebook page and, and T-shirts and everything based around the phrase, feel the Johnson. And, and, and I, 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 I want to vote for the guy just based on that. It's, 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 it's juvenile and a little ridiculous that I'm that into it, but I'm pretty friggin' into it. So maybe because it's the one bright shining bit of fun in this steaming pile of crap that's been going on and will go on for the next two months of our lives. I mean, I I'm in for Gary Johnson. Like I've, yeah, I've been back and forth. I've wavered up and down. Um, but I signed on to that balanced rebellion thing and hopefully my little, um, partner in crime will, will also vote for Gary Johnson and not back out. So I'm voting Gary with a clear conscience. Here we go. You know what? Lay out this partner in crime thing of yours that, that you have discovered lately through our, our esteemed brother-in-law and sister. What, what, what is this thing that you're doing with the this trading is, of the votes and all that stuff? This is balancedrebellion.com, right? So the idea is that, you know, if you're a Republican, you don't like Donald Trump, but you really don't like Hillary. So you're tempted to, you, you want to vote for Gary Johnson, but you, you feel like you have to vote for Trump in order to stop Hillary, right? And then Democrats on the other side feel the same way. They hate Donald Trump. They don't really like Hillary. They want to vote for Johnson, but they feel like they got to vote for Hillary just to stop Donald Trump. So what I did was sign on to Balanced Rebellion. And what they've done is that they, they pair you up with someone from the other side. So you say that you're going to vote for Gary Johnson. They promise that they'll vote for Gary Johnson so that your votes cancel each other out. So that not, neither Donald nor Hillary is actually gaining a vote. Um, I was in the weird position of being a Republican, but I am, I would prefer Hillary to Trump. So I actually had to sign in as a Democrat in order to get a Republican who was going to vote for Trump to vote for Johnson. I, so. I, I have to, I, this, this reminds me entirely of something. First of all, that's a brilliant website and, and many more people should go check it out. But I, I am reminded uh, in your, the, when, when Tim was, when, was out here visiting and we were, we were having, if you're a long time listener, you might think this is funny, but, uh, you know, cause we've got like six of those. Um, so I, we're, Tim's out here and we're hanging out and we're, we're doing the thing with you know, and we're talking with the, with some other members of our family and we decided to try to convince Tim that he's not actually a Republican anymore. He's actually more of a Democrat. And so when we came home that night, uh, I, I made him take a test of who's the sort of a, whose side are you on sort of thing. And I just read him some basic policy questions back and forth. And, uh, the results of the test to cut to the chase, uh, this show is now actually called a liberal and a progressive walk into the bar because Tim, according to this website should be voting for Jill Stein. Um, which I, I frankly thought was funny as hell. So I just want to get that out there. I think it's funny, but I, I question your test now. Cause like, there's no way. There's no way. I am not a member of the... I'm the worst Green Party candidate of all time. Like, there's no way. Uh, and, and I get the... I just At this point in time, I can't even tell you what a Republican is. So I, I, I have no idea 
if I can still call myself a Republican. I will call myself a Reagan Republican until I'm blue in the face. But I, I don't think that that's what our party is anymore. Because our party at this point feels like it's either Tea Party or Trump. And I know a lot of Tea Partiers are for Trump, but the things Trump is for, it doesn't really necessarily mesh with the Tea Party. So I don't even know what we are at this point. I don't either. I have a lot of, there's a lot of smart ass cracks running through my head, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to keep them to myself for once. So, but I am um, fascinated about whether or not the Democrats even would want a pro life, pro gun, small government conservative to even call themselves a Democrat. How can I call myself a Democrat? Easy, first of all, easy there, Rambo. You're not exactly ridiculously pro gun the way that some people are pro gun. So let's, not go too far on that yeah there, but i'm there, pro gun compared are. to most liberals out there I, I don't have the end game there that a lot are, of you, you know guys what, look, have there are a lot no that is no yeah but that's not to say that you don't have the end game as a lot of progressives is 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 to say that the, the there is a hardcore that for some reason because we're democrats we're not allowed to have a hardcore wing of the party we have a hardcore there is there is a hardcore group in the Democratic Party. Absolutely. There always has been. Just like there has always been a little bit of a hardcore group of the the in the Republican Party. The difference is is that the Democrats haven't quite let the inmates take over the asylum the way that the Republicans have. So That's a good analogy. Easy on that one. But there are a lot of pro-life Democrats out there. Um, in fact, there are entire support groups for them. So, you know, hey, uh, you could join one of those groups. Well, can, we, can we still be a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar? Like, can you be a conservative Democrat? Can I call myself that? I think so. I, I think they're probably, they're called center left Democrats or center right Democrats. I'm or a center Democrats, right Democrat. Or, or blue dog Democrats or whatever the hell they're, there's, there, there's, you know what? There's, there's room. It's, 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 it's like Tim Kaine said, there's room for everyone. We welcome all of you. Come, come join us. Join us. Anyway. That was nice. Uh, yeah, I know, right? The, <laughs> I'm not even, you know, what, you know what's awesome? I'm not even registered as a Democrat, so whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've never given them money either. Well, that's mostly because I don't have any. So, yeah, anyway. Uh, there was one, one thing out of the, there were the Zelda, we didn't really get a chance to talk about the, you know, the kerfuffle over releasing the, the FBI's report on the email and then 15,000 more emails and the email, the email, the email, the 15,000 where the Republicans were like, Ooh, and doing their Mr. Smithers, you know, thing or Mr. Burns thing. And Ooh, 15,000 more emails. We'll have more on Benghazi of the 15,000. There was one email that had to do with Benghazi that they didn't already have. Oh no. So that's one. And two in that bunch, was kind of a thing where it, it, it to me it kind of made Colin Powell look bad because Powell had been insisting for a little while that he wanted to be that Hillary that Clinton's people were overstating his what he had told her on the email stuff and that he wanted to be left out of it. But then there's this email that was in that last group that basically where he was telling her, yeah, you know, have a, have a, have a, don't, you know, use separate, use, you don't trust. Here's how to get around the system a little bit. He even used that phrase. This is how you get around uh, the confidentiality stuff. It's not terribly cut and dry in a lot of ways, but it, it's not, doesn't paint him in the best picture based on what he said earlier. Did you see this? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, and and I think what it comes down to is something that you know we've all talked about at this point. Well, what you've really highlighted is the sort of the newness of email at, at the time that a lot of this was going on, and that you know people were still trying to figure out security systems and cybersecurity and how all of this worked. And for Pal, certainly, and then even to an extent for Hillary, this was about trying to stream to get around the bureaucracy and streamline things a little bit. Um, so you know, she she shouldn't have done it. It was what what's her phrase that she's she's used? Dumb, poor decision making, whatever. Um, the the worst thing about all of this is how much it seems like she's trying to hide stuff, you know? And I get all of the arguments about, well, if she's had a right-wing conspiracy theorist after her for two decades, but she still does things that make it look like she's shady. Um, for example, getting the guy immunity who deleted all of the emails for her. Why did you delete all of these emails? This makes no sense. And then on top of that, why do you compound that by trying to get the guy immunity who deleted all the files for you? Huh? I missed this. What? Yeah, the guy, the the aide who handled deleting all these files, she got immunity for him. The FBI immunity gave her immunity from what? Nobody got charged with anything. Right, because he got immunity. He got immunity from getting charged. Well, but nobody got charged. Not even she didn't get charged. No other aides got charged. Was there a reason to get him immunity? I don't know. That's what the FBI did. I don't know. Uh, whatever. I'm tired of it. I'm fucking tired of it. Just, you know, I mean, okay. So she got the guy. I mean, I don't care anymore. Lord, what the email. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it anymore. We're going to move on. You got anything else you want to say? I, I mean, I guess, no, I guess no. That's <laughs> okay. No, if you do, you go ahead. What do you got? No, I mean, just that. Stop doing shady stuff, and people won't accuse you of being shady. Well, I'm not going to argue that point. You're absolutely right. But I don't know that she's going to stop, so whatever. So it doesn't make Trump any smarter, though. And that's no, it doesn't. And in the end, it comes down to that that's the choice that we're faced with. So, of yeah. course, I'm going to say Clinton is better than Trump. But you do, you, know, you do shady stuff, and then you've got this latest basket of deplorables comment, which that reminded me a lot of the Romney thing. No, um, it did. I'm sorry. No, I know. I don't want to talk about this yet. I'm supposed to talk about that later. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Talk about no, it later. It was bad. <laughs> That's just making me mad, but you're right. You know what the hell with it? I'll go ahead and do it. You brought it up. It's my WTF for the week was Clinton over the basket of deplorables. Why? And you know what's obnoxious? Cause you're right. It does. It's It's reminiscent of the binders full of women and it's reminiscent of the 47% and all this other crap. And why would you, why would you say anything like that? Even if there is a part of me that goes, well, you know, maybe, but uh, because there are a lot of crazy deplorable crap coming out of the Trump campaign there just is but uh, it, it's it's just why and and the thing about it is is that it you at least when Trump says dumb stuff it's because half the time he's like doing stand-up so he doesn't actually heads or not even stand-up it's like an improv routine he doesn't have any script but Clinton is notorious for being scripted so either this was one of like two moments in her entire career when she went off script or this somebody wrote this and it went through drafts and somebody went, yeah, that's, that's good. We like that. So, you know what? WTF, Hillary Clinton, you were my WTF this week. Tim can do his later. So, 
yeah, I don't know. You know, let's go ahead and do it. Who's your WTF for the week? Uh, I'll give my WTF to the founder of Latinos for Trump. Um, for his statement, my culture is a very dominant culture. If you don't do something about it, you're going to have a taco trucks on every corner. What the one? Why? Why would you think that's a bad thing? What country do you think you're talking to that any of us are going to go? Oh, what? More tacos? Dang it! We're 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 jazzed to have taco trucks on every corner. Um, and and just WTF for you for any any statements that you're going to make to to degrade Latino culture. That's annoying and frustrating. Or any culture, for that matter, to just say, you know what? Yes, we need to keep these people in check. That's stupid. That's entirely stupid. And it's going back. And what is it with this country? Yeah. Oh no, we had, you know, back in the old uh, in the old west, we had to keep the we had to keep the Chinese in line, and then we had to keep the Irish in line because the Irish were getting out of control, and then we had to keep the Italians in line. And oh God, there's all these Jews, and and then oh oh, we've let black people have rights, and now it's like oh my God, we got to keep the Latinos in check, or there's going to be taco chucks to go along with all the great Jewish food. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, my God. And second of all, you know what? If it puts Taco Bell out of business, hell yes. And also, let's be clear. The fact that you're a Latino does not give you some sort of right to say degrading things about your culture. The fact that I'm from my family's from Eastern Kentucky does not give me the right to say degrading things about people from Eastern Kentucky. This this doesn't give you some sort of entitlement to to do these things. I don't know. No, I don't think it does, and it, and it goes the same. That goes the same thing with any African American who would turn around and degrade African Americans. There's a difference between saying statements that are pointing out sort of, uh, you know, un- behavior that is unique to a culture in in a way that is said lovingly, you know, which people do all the time. Uh, comedians, frankly, do it a lot, you know, but. Uh, you know, you there's a big difference between doing that and 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 saying something like th- what this guy said. God, you know, Latinos they just you know when you let them free, they just go everywhere, which is basically what the guy said. And and that's uh, yeah, that was really sick. Frankly, I don't know. Yeah, I I I agree 100. percent But let's get on that taco truck thing. Yeah. Step it up, Latinos. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, we got a bunch of little topics we're going to talk about for the next few minutes because uh, there's a lot of none. Actually, none of these are sort of little; they're kind of big. But uh, you know, there were just a lot of them, so we're going to sort of go through and, and do quick hits for uh, for uh, we haven't done this in a while. So uh, we're going to start off with the Zika the Zika virus vote. There was another vote in the Senate this week. The Democrats blocked it. It was for funding of Zika research and trying to help things out. And, of course, the Republicans are running around going, oh, no, the Democrats don't want to fund anything. And, you know, look at the bad Democrats. They shot it down, ignoring the fact that Republicans tried to slip in there at the last second because this was a bill that was agreed to as $1.1 billion funding bill. It was agreed to. In principle, in the House, when it passed the House and when it came into the Senate, and then at the last second, Senate tried to slide in there this thing about how Planned Parenthood couldn't get any of the money to do any of the research or to help out at all. So 
there's a little bit of misdirection going in in both directions because it's not like this was a way to completely defund Planned Parenthood that they slid in there like some people are trying to say. It's not. But at the same time, it is a way to keep Planned Parenthood from getting any new money to help out with the Zika thing, which is just... I, why? I, I don't, did, did they do this? Why, why would you slide that in? You have a bill in principle that it's agreed to, and then they just slipped it in there in the last second. It's disgusting. No, wait a minute. Let's be clear here. So the bill, because in this, in this case, I'm confused then. So, because from my understanding, the last time that, all right, one, did they just have a vote? Like, did this just happen? Or are we talking about the vote that happened a while in ago. June? No, yeah. this was in this was this just happened Wednesday. They had another vote. Okay. So this vote that they just had, they weren't trying to block funding to Planned Parenthood in general. They were saying Planned Parenthood can't have any of these new funds. Yeah, that's what I said. Why wouldn't the Democrats agree to that? Because it's a shady thing to do, and because there's a bunch of Planned Parenthoods in Florida that are ready to help and trying to help. And it's another one of these political moves that Republicans it's are not, right, It's in. not political. And we're, we're not a part we're, of... We're, we're anti-Planned Parenthood. We're anti-Planned Parenthood. This is the way it Who is. Who cares? That's not political. This doesn't have anything we're to anti- do with the yes, crisis. Yes, it is, because you're trying to give them money for the crisis. Give all the money for the crisis you want. Don't give any more money to Planned Parenthood. It doesn't... The only reason they slid it in was a bullshit political maneuver, and you know it. And they know it, too. They are mm. trying to make people look bad. There wasn't any reason... To include Planned Parenthood in this. Except this is maybe the, kind the of crap. Fa- exactly. No, there was no reason to include it. So funding. why were they including Planned Parenthood getting any money in the first place? Planned Parenthood wasn't specifically included in anything. It was funding for clinics. And Planned Parenthood as a federally funded clinic is eligible for that money. And all we're saying is don't give it to them. That's it. There are Planned Parenthood clinics in damn near every neighborhood across America. They could be of, of help in planning this and why is it all or nothing why is it that it's perfectly fine for the republicans because they don't like planned parenthood specifically they're a hot button thing and they know that it can help with their little base people in getting something so why didn't they go in and take the time to 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 go around and and root out all of the clinics that might get money so the only clinics in this entire funding bill that could have gotten money that provide abortions are planned parenthood Right? Is that what you're telling me? I don't really understand what you just said. So, of all the clinics that could have gotten funded in this bill, the only ones, the only ones that provide any kind of abortion services are Planned Parenthood. Right? That's <laughs> I it. Have no, I have no idea. Yeah, that's my point. You don't know, and neither do they. They only see Planned Parenthood as a hot button, and that's the only reason they included it. No, These people needed funding. They had a bill in place that didn't have that, this in uh, there. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to agree on this one. We, yes, you can try and say all you want that this was bullshit political maneuvering or whatever. It, it's at least possible that they actually believe in this, that they are anti-Planned Parenthood and are simply trying to prevent them from getting any additional funding. That's it. We didn't, nor, and I thought, at least, I think in the previous bill, right, that they tried to slip in there something to completely defund Planned Parenthood. Yeah, they did. And that okay. was okay. And no, that was BS. All right. That's the sort of thing that you make part of a grand deal in which you're giving something major to the Democrats, right? 
all right, Democrats, we're going to give you, you know, the you have to have a special ID in order to carry a gun if you'll give us defunding Planned Parenthood. That one, sure. All right, that's some sort of grand deal. We're not trying to get the you know with the, the all the funding for Zika virus. Zika virus that isn't something that Democrats want that we don't want. Everybody wants this. We all want funding to help fight the Zika virus. And so all we ask this time, so the last one was BS. We never should have done that. But this time, all we're saying is that we don't want any additional funding going to Planned Parenthood. You cannot use this as an opportunity to give more money to them. That's it. That's all we're asking. And I don't see why that's unreasonable. Because no one's asking for any money to go to Planned Parenthood. No one is asking for any money. To well, go then why'd you vote against it? And the, well, then why did they try to slip that in in June? They could why have had this bill through three months ago. Hey, I agree. I'm agreeing with you in June. That was BS. We never should have done that. But this time around, all we're asking is you don't give them additional funding. And I see no reason why the Democrats shouldn't have agreed to that unless you want to try to throw some, say that the Democrats are guilty of BS political maneuvering. Because Planned Parenthood's a hot button, and so they couldn't dare vote for something that wouldn't give them more money as well. Because they had a bill in place coming out of the House that had made no mention of Planned Parenthood. And at the last second, the Republican Senate tried to sneak this through to get it out. That's point number one. And point number two, this is not the time for any political crap. Nothing. These people need funding, and that's the end of it. It shouldn't have any, they should never have included anything about anything with any extra political points. Nothing. These people need money. This government does not function when shit like this happens. And that's the end of it. Agreed. None of this should These have gone through. These people need money. They should have voted for it. Agreed. No, this should not have been inserted in the first place. It should never have gone in there. It was a bullshit political move. It was a bullshit political move for the Democrats to vote against it. No, no, no. Every time, this is entirely on the Republicans in every single case, and I'm not bending with you on that one. Now, here's my next point. Planned Parenthood needs to stop accepting federal funds right now. They need to turn them down, and every Democratic, every liberal who donates billions of dollars to campaigns across this country needs to deflect all of that money over to Planned Parenthood right now. Because this is crap. And as long as this goes on, because the Republicans just can't seem to let this go, that's what needs to happen next. Because that's the only way that this is going to stop. So right here, right now, Planned Parenthood has, needs to stop it. And anybody who's donating huge amounts of money to the Democratic Party so they can do stupid crap like they've been doing needs to just divert all their funds over to Planned Parenthood where people actually do some good. Because I'm tired of hearing about Planned Parenthood out of every Republican. Let's just shut them up and not even have it be a thing anymore. Well, that'd be fine. That'd be fine with me. But okay. I'm sure it would be fine with you. <laughs> Moving on. The Syrian ceasefire. I. Okay. This is a multi-pronged deal, as I understand it, because we had. This isn't actually necessarily a deal between the U.S. and Syria. It's a deal between the U.S. and the Russians to encourage the Syrians together to do something. And it all starts with a ceasefire that starts on Monday morning. This would seem like a big thing, but nobody actually seems to really believe it's going to be effective in any way, shape, or form. That's my read on it. Am I wrong? 
Yeah, well, I mean, this is the, this is the problem. We've got a country that's just completely broken at this point. Uh, I mean, you've got a um, a pseudo legitimate government that's using chlorine gas on its citizens. You've got innumerable different little factions that are fighting in a war. Uh, the idea of actually getting them all to stop shooting at each other seems virtually impossible. But at the same time, I'm assuming that part of a ceasefire and tell me if this is accurate, part of the ceasefire would include no more bombings. Correct. I so, believe so. Yeah. Are we going to be enforcing a no fly zone? Uh, I don't remember. Cause to me, that would be the huge thing I that I remember seeing that, to be honest with you, that would be the huge thing that the U S and Russia could join forces to do because that's one of the number one advantages that, uh, the Syrian government has over the rebels. And that's one of the things causing all, so many of the horrible problems. Uh, you know, everything that we've just recently seen in Aleppo is, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, uh, just the constant bombings. So if we were, if that's part of the ceasefire, then this is huge and amazing and fantastic. And I, and I don't see why it wouldn't be part of the ceasefire. Um, and it, but if that's not the case, if there's not going to be any enforcing of a, of a no fly zone, then I don't see what, I guess I don't see what we're doing aside from going pretty, please stop shooting each other. Well, but then it's, it's not quite that simple because a lot of it has to do with what happens after the ceasefire. So the one interesting point that, that actually is really sort of intriguing is that if the ceasefire holds up for seven days, then the United States will launch an aligned military, what well, they call it an aligned military counterterrorism campaign. So basically this will be coordinated if they can hold this up for a week, which it hadn't even started yet. So, you know, who knows starting Monday. We'll know. Uh, then the United, then the United States and the military and the Russian military will start working together, which is kind of crazy. If you think about it, I I, I can't think of another time when that's happened. Can you? No, that, that would be huge. Absolutely. That would be great. So it's, it's, and it is too, one of the, the, the jobs that they're going to have is to distinguish between rebel and extremist targets inside this quote zone of cooperation that they're going to have. So, but again, all of this sort of hinges on the idea that Bashar al-Assad's or, or am I saying that right? Assad, anyway, Assad, Assad's stuff. Uh, people don't break the ceasefire, which is where everybody seems to think the more likely end to this would be. He'll be the one to break it. So I don't know. But what, what's interesting to me is that it is that this this is all being approached with a very, I don't want to say a grain of salt, but it almost feels like one. Because nobody really seems to be talking about it all that much. And it seemed like a really big deal to me when it hit, but I, I guess not. Am I wrong? I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe everyone's just sort of holding their breath and, and seeing what happens on Monday before we start saying, oh, this is great or, oh, this was crap. And I, I, I guess I can't blame them. So we'll, we'll see what yeah, happens. I, um, but I mean, any amount I, I of cooperation know, it, between. It would seem to me like this would be a pretty big victory for Obama and Kerry both. If this, if this holds up and works. Yeah. I think, I think if this works and this absolutely is 
a huge deal for Kerry and Obama. Any amount of Russia and the U.S. cooperating in in Syria uh, is fantastic. So I, I think everyone's just holding their breath and hoping that the ceasefire on Monday works, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on. North Korea. North Korea conducted what everyone seems to agree is the biggest military, not biggest military, biggest nuclear test ever. Uh, when was that? Two days ago? Last week. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, more more of the North Koreans poking the bear, which they seem to have been doing a whole lot of lately. Um, some people seem to think that again, there's almost always some reason there's a, there's a holiday, there's a birthday, there's uh, a minor opening that they find. And they seem to think that there's this, okay, that they'll pick this one time where they think they can, okay, today's the day we can get away with this. So we're going to go ahead and do it. And this seems to be another one of those circumstances right now, China and South Korea are, mad at each other uh and so north korea seems to think that okay now's the time that it, it, it's like dad's dad's mad at little brother so it's time for big brother to misbehave uh again i mean this this honestly worries me about as much if not more than a lot of the other international situations out there am i what do you what do you think well the biggest problem is that this guy's just crazy right i Agreed. mean he just killed he just had executed one of his top staff members because he fell asleep during a speech so obviously he's unstable um he also just passed a law against sarcasm you would be just effed i think you're underestimating me uh, um so i mean I, I i agree that i think this is this is an enormously bad situation I don't see what we can do aside from Trump's idea of sending in the CIA and assassinating him. I don't see what our options are. Uh, I think Obama is correct in his, you know, his basic philosophy of we're not going to reward bad behavior. So there's not really even any talk of cutting back on sanctions or let's go make a deal you know, because, and rightly so, North Korea has backed out of every deal that's ever been made with them. So, you know what? If you want fewer sanctions, you want us to ease up, then you've actually got to start doing some things right. And then we'll consider coming back to the table. At this point, unless we're assassinating the guy, it's all in China's hands. This is on China. This is their their little minion they need to get them under control. Yeah, I, yeah, I can possibly agree more. Um, apart, I mean, yeah, because the guy's just the, you're right. The guy's just nuts, and uh, but there's no, and there's no getting around that. But the, okay, here's here's the one thing that I haven't had a chance to read up on this mind, but uh, so I'm I'm just hoping that you know more historically than I do by asking this question. If not, I'm gonna look into it. We'll talk about it later. Somebody made the point that. There are fundamental similarities between the Iran deal and a deal that was cut with North Korea 20 years ago or whenever that was. The six-party talks. The six-party talks, yeah. When when was that? Was that during the Bush presidency? I don't think it was 20 years ago. I think that's more 10 years ago or something. Okay. And 
now you've seen where it has gotten North Korea. Do are there similarities between the two? Well, I mean, do you I, think that the same escalation is likely possible in Iran that we've seen in North Korea? I mean, obviously, we're hoping not. Uh, I, I think there are similarities, but I think with Iran, as terrifying as this is, you're dealing with a much more stable entity than you are when you're talking about North Korea. Um, Iran, at least, has some semblance of governance. Uh, they have some some semblance of checks and balances. There are multiple voices in there. You know, yes, they have the supreme leader, but there, there's other voices. There's other people who can speak up and take action. Um, whereas with North Korea, you're just dependent on the whim of one crazy dictator. So, sure, there's always the possibility that the Iran deal could go bad, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the similarities kind of end there. It's, it's a nuclear deal with an enemy. And that, that's about as far as the similarities go, I think. Yeah, because what you have in Iran is, or not in Iran, in North Korea is effectively a, one, a single family run amok. But then you've yeah. got in, in Iran, you actually do have, a, you do have democratically elected officials. Yeah. Um, now, there's a question as to whether or not that civilian government has, who has more power, be it the Ayatollahs or, you know, the uh, elected government. But that's an internal power struggle. It's just always mm-hmm. going to be there, I think, for a while. Well, and the other dynamic with North Korea that you've got is that there's a consistency to their behavior in which they try to make nice in order to get sanctions lifted, they get sanctions lifted, and then they go right back to what they were doing. So this has been a repetitive thing, right? You don't have that history with Iran. There hasn't been constant deals, breaking of deals, deals, breaking of deals, deals, breaking of deals. So if this would be the start of that if Iran were to break this deal. Uh, but at this point in time, just as we were right, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the first time we tried to make a deal with North Korea, we were right to try to make the deal. We're right to try to make this deal with, with Iran. Agreed. But you have seen some of the poking of the bear with Iran with this stupid moron naval stuff that they've been pulling lately. Have you, have you been reading about this? Yeah, and it's just... Which, to me, that almost seems like there are certain factions within the Iranian military that is almost like... it. it, it it's almost like, you know, someone going after the popular kid who's suddenly made nice with him but is just reminding him, no, I still don't like you. Well, it, you've got to remember that just as we've got Trump and Ted Cruz, they the, the deal wasn't popular over there either with the conservatives. Right. So you've got fact yeah. the, the, the hardliners in both countries who were anti this deal and they're going to do everything they can to try and mess it up. Right. Uh, all of our talk isn't the, you know, from our hardliners is hardly helping the situation. And then you've got the hardliners on their end doing everything they can to try and mess the deal up as well. So all you can do is hope that cool hope that the the cooler heads in both countries prevail. Yeah, exactly. So anyhow, uh, very quickly, the House unanimous, unanimously passed a bill this week. I don't remember the last time I heard of that happening. The bill was to allow uh, suits from 9/11 victims against the government of Saudi Arabia. 
I repeat, this passed the House of Representatives, the United States House of Representatives, unanimously, which is really weird, at least in this day and age. And Obama is saying that he's going to veto it. And he's actually facing a pretty solid possibility that he'll get overridden if it's vetoed. I He's really out on a limb here on this one, it seems like. I... And I kind of get it because I don't know. Do you want to set that precedent of suing people? But you know what? Hey, if it's going to be the Saudis, I, I say sue them. I What do you think? I think that I should have given my WTF to every Democrat who voted for that bill and is putting their president in this position. Um, you've got a Democratic president who is working like hell to try and maintain some semblance of order and cooperation in the Middle East with everything that's going on. And he's got member of his own, members of his own party stabbing him in the back. Um, Apparently this, like me. And now I feel smaller somehow. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, no, I mean, th- this, is, this is ridiculous. Uh, if, the, if they come to believe that the Saudi Arabian government actually cooperated in the execution of 9-11, then that's something that needs to be handled and at a much higher level than a bunch of people filing civil lawsuits against them. Um, and yes, it does obviously set a, a dangerous precedence uh, for us, for other countries too, right? Because now you're going to get people uh, from the Middle East. Well, let's be honest, people from the Middle East suing us, you know, are now Iraqi citizens going to be able to sue us for coming in and uh, destroying their country when there was no WMDs? Uh are you going to get people in Afghanistan suing us over over bombings? Um, yeah, yeah, all the drone victims. All the drone yeah. victims. Now they're going to start suing. Uh, you know, it, you want to talk about bullshit political maneuvering? This is bullshit political maneuvering. You want to help the families of nine eleven? Then make goddamn sure that you're passing every bill that comes across your table, uh, ensuring health care for the victims of nine eleven, uh, compensation for the victims of nine eleven. Sign those bills. Don't sign some ridiculous political bullshit bill that allows them to sue the government of Saudi Arabia. Right. And, you know, to say this is to say nothing of, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. I, I reverse course. I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and well, I mean, and, and that's to say nothing of the first responders bill that has not been able to get that. That is, I don't think has been able to. get. How passed, has that right? not been passed? You pass this bill unanimously, but you can't pass that bill. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I, it's, it's that you know. is bullshit political maneuvering. Yeah, that, is. that is the definition of it right there. Yeah. And, it, you know, I don't know. It, it goes to, and that's really my more, that's that. And let's, let's, let's be clear. I, I'm not 100%. I go back and forth on the Planned Parenthood thing. I really do. And I mean that when I say that I wish that as an organization, they would just realize how toxic they are and try to find a way to secure funding from other sources. I, I, I genuinely do. But my point with the Zika vote was just that why, you know, I, because I don't know, maybe on the first responders bill, Democrats were inserting bullshit stuff in there, or maybe, you know, there were other things in, you know, but if this was a clear cut bill to just do this one thing and then, and this one passes unanimously or whatever the deal was, you know, why can't we just have these bills that are clear cut things that do one thing? You have one job and that's all. We need to get money for Zika funding. Okay, money for Zika funding. Nothing else, just Zika funding. Pass that through. 
We need to get this stuff for the first responder stuff. Nothing else, just the first responders. Get that through. This this seems easy to me, and I don't understand why it's not. Yeah, I get it when it when they're these you know when it's a Democrat trying to get a bill passed that the Republicans maybe don't want, and so you start this sort of wheeling and dealing, and uh, you know they've cut back on a lot of the options that they used to have because there's all the laws now out uh, banning, you know, uh, so-called pork uh, being added to things. So you can't give, you know, this Senate, you can't get this Senator's vote by offering him a million dollars for some pet project in his hometown. Now you've got to give them some much larger grandiose thing in order to get their vote. So I, I understand that kind of that sort of stuff, but I don't get it with these very straightforward, Bipartisan things where there's bipartisan agreement, like the Zika, you know, funding for the Zika virus, like the first responders. No one's against this. So how is this stuff not getting passed? I, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And then you, you have sessions like I, I read again this week. OK, senators and congressmen are turning to the Hill for a session where they're not likely to get anything done. I, I've been hearing that ever since 2014. And honestly, I've been hearing it really since ever since 2012. And here's another session where they're not really going to do anything. I, I want that job. I, I do. I really want that job I, because you know what? I, I want to be able to go into work every morning and go, you know what? This is going to be that day where I'm returning to work. I'm not really going to do anything. Okay. Everybody's good with that, right? Uh, it's just that these are the only people on the planet that are allowed to have weeks like not, not just days like that, but months on end where they can do that. So I got nothing. Time for a round of applause. Who you got? Um, I mean, I, I want to give my round of applause to U.S. and Russia for coming to some semblance of a deal on on a ceasefire for Syria. I I'm thrilled that they managed to to get that together and to make it happen, and hopefully it bears fruit. And agreeing to work together on military stuff—that's pretty big. That's huge. I, don't, I really don't think that's happened since World War II. I really don't. I mean, I, I want to look it up, but I, I don't think it has. So, yeah, I'll echo that. Very cool. Um, I'm going to give my round of applause this week to, to Tim Kaine. I, I read a really interesting article uh, in, uh, I, I think it was on Politico or, or Daily Beast or something, but apparently Tim Kaine is an extraordinarily well-respected guy on the Senate and in the Senate. But on both sides of the aisle, uh, he has made it a point according to according, this is according to senators. He's made it a point in getting along with people on the other side. He has a good rapport with people like Ted Cruz. He has a good rapport with Mitch McConnell works out with uh, Dean Heller, uh, Bob Corker, who is not the least partisan person on the planet. Believe me, uh, has said in respect to the the idea about of working with him as vice president quote, he could be a tremendous asset. He understands the issues. He cares about having an outcome and I think he could be very effective working with people here. I, I, you know what? You just don't read that kind of thing about anybody in Congress these days. So, I, you know what? I, I have liked Tim Kaine since before he got the nomination. Ever since the whole filibuster thing with the, uh, the gun stuff after uh, Orlando, and because I thought he gave a great talk there. And he just the more I read about him, the more I like him. Yeah, absolutely. Thousands of rounds of applause to Tim Crane Kane. Uh, I like him a lot. Uh, he was exactly the kind of guy that I think Hillary needed to pick 
And I think the best thing for Hillary is to have him out in front as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. You haven't, you haven't read any, well, you know, yeah, you know, you haven't read any big gaffes or anything. He just seems to be going along doing his thing and doing a good job. So anyhow, um, we are going to talk to now where this is our, our, our deep dive for the night. We're going to talk about a national dividend, a basic universe, universal basic income, uh, idea. Um, this is something you may or may not have seen in the, uh, in various places in the news, because a lot of European countries, that evil socialist area of the world are trying it. Um, but, uh, you know, Tim and I got talking about it last week, the two of us, and, and we both think it sounds interesting. So we're going to share all that with you. So why don't you, why don't you tell us what, a, what, what, what is the, what is a universal basic income? <clears throat> Give us the basics. So the idea behind universal basic incomes is that rather than having some form of means-based testing for for welfare, for your public security net, uh, you just give everyone across the board a certain amount of money. So if you're, you're talking, all right, everyone 18 years old and over, you're going to get $1,000 a month from the government. Done. Doesn't matter how much you make. Doesn't matter. None of this matters anymore. You're just gonna you're gonna get that thousand dollars a month. That's a universal basic income. Yeah, it's pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a lot of different angles to this, but let's start with what 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 this would what the other side of this is. Okay, so that's an interesting thing. Basically, you're gonna give everybody say we'll say it's a thousand a month. Every citizen over eighteen gets twelve thousand dollars a year. Now. The overall, the other side to this is that this is intended to replace a lot of the other safety net programs that we already have in this country. Among them, welfare, Medicare, Medicare. Yes. Well, this uh, that that's when you start getting into specifics, and it it, it varies depending on who you're talking to, right? Uh, a lot of people will put forth these plans and say everything except for healthcare stuff, right? Um, other countries will say absolutely everything. Uh, and it really just depends on who you're talking to. Um, in the end, the problem with the universal basic income comes down to cost, right? You know, you start talking about giving everyone 18 and older a thousand dollars. You're talking about, about $2.4 trillion a year. Um, and how do you afford that? And the answer is, well, we've got to cut a lot of this other public safety net sorts of stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of the universal basic income. I, I think this is huge. Um, I think that this solves homelessness, start, you know, um, uh, food issues. I can't think of the term all of a sudden. Sorry. Um, it, it relieves a mate. And this is the reason why a lot of people in Silicon Valley are, are pushing it. And that's the reason why you see, uh, cause this is a new idea, right? McGovern had this idea, um, but they, this is receiving a renewal of interest because of Silicon Valley, uh, because of all the automation that's coming in and more and more people are being displaced by jobs. They're pushing for this idea of a universal basic income so that, uh, people won't be as affected when technology starts to take over this job or that job. How does this affect state government, state programs, state and local programs? Well, it, it would relieve a lot of the issues, right? So you look at 
uh, food stamps, right? So food stamps, the money for the actual food stamps are supplied by the government, by the federal government, but then the state government is responsible for paying for some of the administrative costs, right? Um, so you would see the uh, enormous lifting of burden on states um, because there are, a lot, there are a lot of programs like that where the federal government provides the money, the state government provides the personnel and administrative stuff. So you would see states saving a lot of money because suddenly they don't have all of these administrative things they have to do. Very true. I cannot find any specific numbers because everybody, it seems like, wants to spin the numbers, that whatever numbers are out there. So there are no real numbers out there for exactly what welfare costs. If you just look up annual cost of welfare in the United States programs, there's no one specific way of slicing this is exactly what gets spent. Yeah. Now, according to, there was a report from the, the only number that I'll give you is that according to a report from the Cato Institute, uh, there were, we spent about $675 billion on 126 different welfare programs. Uh, that does not include spending by state and local governments. Um, so if it is less than a trillion dollars just by cutting welfare, we got a lot of places to make up that $2.4 trillion. This thing's going to cost us. What? But, you know, it, it's hard to, it, it's, it's hard to discount the good that this would do. Right. I think so. I mean, I, I think it solves just every problem, uh, pretty much. Um, I mean, I mean we, and we can start a new brain. A major one that it solves is the issue of the welfare trap, right? And this one, I, I can speak to this from experience, right? So I'm, I'm out here right now trying to get this missionary group going, this nonprofit group. And so I'm not taking hardly any salary. Uh, from the nonprofit because we're just trying to get this thing off and running. So my family actually qualifies for food stamps. Um, and this has been a lifesaver for us. This has been fantastic. We get about $580 a month. Uh, you're, under, you're understating that you do a lot of service work and a lot of really good things for the community. So right. On, no, on I, absolutely. Of, absolutely. On top I, I of work, trying to start the nonprofit. I work, well, you're, you're, you're being, mo you're being modest. Right. Brian. So I'm, I'm not, yeah. So I'm not just leeching out of the government. No, I'm working 50 hours a week, but I, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to get paid for any of the work that I do. Um, you know, and I actually you have a wife and two children. I have a wife and two care. children. Yeah. So I am, I'm in a fascinating position where I have to make sure that my nonprofit doesn't pay me so much that I would lose my food stamps. So I can completely see how someone would be working and would get offered a raise and would go, okay, so I would have, I would have to take on these new responsibilities, get this money. But when I get this raise, I'm then going to lose all of this money in welfare yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'll keep working this lesser amount, right? And so, I mean, this this is a real issue. And that's what the universal basic income gets rid of. It gets rid of the disincentive to work that the welfare program creates. Um, well, it says do. It, it gets, for me, as a, as a Republican slash libertarian, it gets the government out of your life, right? So if you want to be on food stamps, you want to be on Medicare, you have to be constantly filling out forms 
and renewing your stuff and proving that you don't make so much money. Uh, half the time the systems are down. So you're having to go stand outside the welfare office for, uh, you know, and I, I've had to get there. They open at eight. I've had to get there at seven o'clock in the morning in order to be the first person in line because by the time they actually even open the doors, the line is like around the block, right? So you're getting rid of all of that. No longer do people have to do that sort of stuff. It gets the government out of their life. Um, it solves, I think it solves our student loan issues that we have right now. Um, because you know what, if you're getting a thousand dollars a month, I don't think you need Pell Grants anymore. I think that goes away. I think the government starts being able to collect a lot more money on student loan repayments because now it's okay. You took this much out in student loans. All right. We're going to take out this much money every month from the thousand dollars a month that we give you. Um, it solves child support issues. You know, no more, no more deadbeat dads. Okay. You're the dad. All right. Great. Well, we're going to take this much out of your thousand dollars in order to support your child. Um, it solves uh, it solves a, a whole host of other issues like that one. Uh, yeah, li- li- tax liens. Um, All this goes uh, away. Yeah, I mean, and, any and of the summer, summary judgments when you owe people money in like small claims and and uh, areas like that. There's no more. There's no more departments that would have to go tracking down employer information. Um, yeah, it just comes out of there. You know, it 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 trims the the possibility for trimming uh, so many different areas of government that are just a little, you know, messy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can't really think of any other word. I don't like using the word fat because I don't think that's really a proper, but I think it's a mess. And you know, it just yeah. removes a lot of that. And that's the thing. I don't think that when they look at the numbers and they think, okay, well, we're only going to get 675 billion if we cut all the welfare programs. I don't, I don't think that they're looking at one, all of the money that they're going to save on administrative stuff, right? Because it's not just a matter of how much you're saving each year on the money of food stamps that give, that's given out. You're wiping out that entire department. So you don't have all of those salaries and pensions and benefits. That's all gone. Uh, WIC, all gone, right? You don't have any of those salaries and departments and benefits you have to pay for. And then also they're not looking at the amount of money that the federal government would then be able to collect, out of this thousand dollars when you start looking at student loans and tax liens and all of these stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it removes the other thing for me that I think is really interesting is that it removes one of the great arguments of this era, which is this constant harping. Honestly, I don't even know what half the people in the Republican party would talk about anymore. If they didn't have to talk about welfare fraud or welfare spending or cutting safety nets or any of that stuff, you just cut them all gone. It's done. Everybody gets this and that's it. It's over with. Yeah. And you remove that. You take that argument completely off the table. Everybody gets the same thing done. And it's not like this is completely unprecedented. Governments have been paying their people to a certain extent uh, for a long time. The, the Alaskan government does it. They, everybody gets an oil dividend. I think. Is it my right? Am I right? Yeah. About that? Well, an and, the, and that's that why we use that. And that's why I like, I like the use of the term dividend. Look, our country does great. We have a good economy. We make lots of money. You're part of that. Here's your cut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's okay. So there are countries out there either testing this or trying it or considering it. Who, who, who Canada is considering it. Yes. Uh, Ontario. I think it's Ontario as okay. part of it is considering it. Um, Finland is considering it. Uh, it was either Sweden or Switzerland voted against it. 
they they shot it down. Um, so no one, no one, as far as I know, has ever full on initiated this. Uh, but I, I hope that they do. I hope someone steps up and makes it happen so that the rest of us can look and, and see how it goes. Uh, because I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a huge fan of this idea. I think it solves so many problems. And will it create some? I'm sure, right? Every program is going to have issues. There's going to be hurdles to overcome. But when you look at the possible benefits, I, I think it's it's very wrong to not give it its full attention. Yeah, I, I, I would really like to see someone sit down and hash out the numbers. Somebody that's got a little bit more access to the federal budget and actually sit down and hash out, okay, this is exactly what we can cut by going through that. They cost this much. This is what this thing is going to cost us to do and see if it really does balance out, you know, um, because I, I think there's a shot that it that it could. And even if it didn't, I would almost say it's worth it. At yeah. least in the at least in the early stages, because I think that it would put so much more back into the system that I think the economy would just continue to grow again. Agreed. Um, and I, I think it'd be fantastic. I mean, I'm sorry if I like any any financial problem that I've got. You kick me another grand a month right now. Done. I'm fixed. That's it. And all of a sudden, I can start spending again. Yeah, problem yeah. solved. Right. And I and I think that's the case for the vast majority of people in the United States. If suddenly you had an extra grand a month coming in, done. You know, especially a married couple, boom, two grand oh God, a month. Yeah, that's two thousand dollars. I mean, done. You know, finished. What what yeah. possible problem do you have that two thousand dollars a month is not going to help fix? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, saving for college money and just all of there's just so many. There's a lot, just a lot of potential in this idea. I think it's, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really, 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 really interesting. Is anybody in the states really? Uh, why, and Silicon Valley is pushing it. Silicon Valley is one of the primary pushers right now. Why is Silicon Valley pushing it? Because uh, that's it's not going to help cost of living in Silicon Valley. I'll tell well, you. they're they're pushing it because you know when you think about the future and you think about all the things that robots are suddenly going to be doing for us. So you're going to see the ease of life increasing because of technology, but with that's going to come the loss of jobs. And so in order to get people to stop fighting uh, the automation uh, that's overtaking so many different sectors, Silicon Valley wants to push this idea of universal basic income because their thought process being correctly, I think, that if people can depend on X number of dollars a month, no matter what, then they're going to be less upset if they lose their job because it's getting automated. Okay. Cool. Well, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I would love to see somebody, you know, really take a shot at this. Like I said, uh, but I don't know that I have anything more to, to add to such things. Have you? No, I don't either. I mean, at this point for me, it's a matter of someone stepping up and pushing it and really taking a hard, long look at the numbers and seeing if there is a way to make it work because yeah, I think you cut, you know, you'd have to cut, I think we give, I think it's something like 1.2 trillion worth of random special interest tax cuts, right? Um, the one that everybody knows is the interest rate for your mortgage, right? That you're able to use this as a, as a tax deduction. If you get rid of all the things like that, you would save in an instant $1.2 trillion. So you're halfway there. 
Yeah, and I'm willing to trade that because what that's getting me is about an extra thousand dollars at the start of the year. That's it. That's one payment. Yeah, exactly. I, and I think everyone would agree to that. I think the only one that you wouldn't be able to cut, and I'm not sure if this is part of that 1.2 trillion dollar statistic, is the tax deduction that you get for donating to charity. Yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, I, I don't think you want to cut that, and I'm not sure if that's no, part of that number. I don't know. Well, like I say, it'd be interesting to see somebody sit down and actually hash out the numbers. So anyhow. All right. Well, that's all we got, I think. Yes. Is that all we have? Yeah, that's all we got. Uh, Have you anything more? No, take us out with something cool. Uh, Politico Magazine, every month for quite some time, actually, I wasn't aware of it, but they they do a section called What Works. Uh, and they look at various cities and sit down and see what they're doing to try to improve the lives of uh, the people that live there. They've done Milwaukee recently. They've done uh, Orlando, Miami, um, and they've been doing this for a while. It's it's available on their website. Unfortunately, they're only doing it every month, but it is entirely based on what good things people are doing around the country. It is unfortunately an extraordinarily rare thing to see the media focusing on anything that's halfway decent. And we talk an awful lot, even here on this show, we talk all the time about things that are not working and how bad things are and, and what's going wrong. It's extraordinarily refreshing to me to see any media outlet focusing on what people are doing right as opposed to what people are doing wrong. Uh, and I honestly thought it was pretty cool. So That is very cool. That's awesome. I can't wait to go check that out. Yeah, you should. It's it's really interesting stuff. So, and I recommend all of you go out and check it out too. So, um, anyway, that's our show. Uh, we will be back next week, and then I believe we are going to be off the week after that because we're uh, taking another vacation uh, for a week. But uh, like I said, that's all we got for tonight. We'll be talking to you again next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Check us out on uh, Twitter. I'm at Libcom Matt. Tim is at Libcon Tim. Uh, have an outstanding evening. Take care. <laughs> Thank you.